1: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Some of the best high school basketball in the Midwest is played right here in Southeast Wisconsin. It's time to hear from some of the best high school basketball coaches in the area. It's the Varsity Blitz High School Basketball Coaches Show, presented by your local pick-and-save stores. Let's turn it over to the fan high school insider, big-time Mike McGivern.
2: Welcome in. It is Steve Sparky Fiverr with you here on the Varsity Blitz Basketball Coaches Show. And I am telling you, It's been a while since I've been in this chair. It's been a while since I've got to talk high school sports on these airwaves. And Mike McGivern out today. He'll be back uh, next week. So he turned the keys over to me. And I'm scared he was scared. I'm sure he was scared to death to turn it over. But that's all right. We have lots to talk about. Todd Mosler, former head basketball coach at Milwaukee South Division. Retired now. Enjoying life, I'm sure. Talk to him for the first half hour of the show. Then we'll get to Mark Miller with sports.net. Talk to him. Uh, about uh, all the goings on, and uh, he's got a piece out a day ago. Uh, I think it was yesterday or Thursday about top players in the state of Wisconsin. So we'll talk about that. Current electric superhero of the week: Lily McDonald, New Berlin. Eyes an hour to lead off the second hour. Jeff Lorenz, head women's basketball coach over at Bryant and Stratton, in the second hour as well uh, as the UW Credit Union Team of the Week. We'll announce who that is too here on the Varsity Blitz Basketball Coaches Show presented to you by, of course. They and save joining us now on the great Midwest bank hotline. He is Ty Mosler. Uh, Ty, thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate it. Hey, no problem at all. Always good to be here. Uh, and it sounds like uh, you, are you out watching basketball somewhere or doing something? Where are you at? Yeah, I'm in a gym watching my seventh grade daughter play uh pretty intense action over here. <laughs> pretty intense action in seventh grade. I understand. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, so yeah. first, so first things first, um, I, I guess, I mean, having worked with McGivern for all these years, McGivern retired once, and I didn't believe that would actually hold. It didn't. He ended up coming back, obviously, with Paul Wallersheim uh, and coaching again. Uh, so how is it for you, uh, and do you think you're actually done-done, or do you still have an itch? Um, I, I I think I'm
3: done-done. Uh, I, I don't foresee myself coming back. You never know how things change or what goes on in life, but. Um, Um, I'm still the athletic director at South division and and really enjoy that part of it. Um, I, I haven't, um, I haven't sat here and said, oh man, do I miss it so bad that I want to go back? I mean, there's some (laughs) things that, uh, you kind of miss. I I miss planning practice. I miss doing scouting reports, but uh, a lot of it I don't miss. So, um, as of now, I I don't foresee myself going back. I, I enjoy being the athletic director enough that, that, um, that takes up enough time.
2: Now, this is an interesting uh, point that you bring up because it's something I've always wondered about Barry Alvarez, say, at Wisconsin, who is a former successful head football coach and athletic director, and then he's in charge of bringing in the football coaches uh, following him going forward, whether it be Brett Bielema, Gary Anderson, uh, and now Paul Crist. Uh, and obviously, if you've been successful at something, you believe you know the right way of doing things and how you would do things. How difficult was it for you, uh, A, To go to a game, watch you know your team play, your your high school team play, not be involved, and then maybe in your own brain, kind of maybe be second guessing what's going on on the floor, but having to kind of keep quiet about it. Um,
3: there's you you watch any game; it doesn't just have to be South Division. If if you got to the coach's mind, you're you're watching the game, saying, "What would I do here? That makes sense. I I wouldn't do that." So I think that's natural for. Any coach, even if you're currently coaching, watching other games, much less being an, an ex coach. Um, so that, that happens at, at any game for me. Uh, you know, watching it and trying to think about, you know, what you would you do in that situation, those type of things. Um, as far as watching South Division, um, it's weird. Um, it it's worn off a little bit. Um, you know, I still know the kids. I don't know them as well because of, you know, we had the year off with sure. COVID. Um, last year where we didn't get to play seed, so some of the kids are, are new to South or new to the program. You don't know as well, you get to know them. And, um, the, the gentleman that took over was a former player of ours and, uh, was an assistant of ours for uh, quite a few years, Thomas Shumpert. And so I, you know, I've known him since he was 14 years old. So, um, you know, I'm invested in the fact that it's still the school that I work for and, and, um, I have pride in and want to see him do well. So that again, it, it was weird in the beginning. It's still a little bit weird from watching them from time to time. Uh, but I'm guessing that kind of wears off as as it goes along. But I'll always have pride in wanting to see himself do well uh, as my employer, <laughs> right? And, um, and 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 that's for every sport. You know, I want to see all the sports do well. But uh, boys' basketball is a little bit different. So. It, but I said, I, I just, the, the best word is weird.
2: It's it's, it's a little weird. <laughs> to talk with Ty Mosler, former head basketball coach at Milwaukee South Division, athletic director, uh, retired now from coaching basketball. And I remember reading stories before the relationship kind of went sideways at the end about, you know, Barry Alvarez and Brad Bielma taking long walks, uh, you know, during the season or during the school year and having long conversations and so forth. And I thought to myself, you know, that's got to be a kind of pretty cool thing where you get the athletic director to be uh, a guy that is doing what you're doing currently and has been through the battles uh, and has been through all of it and kind of be able to pick their brain. Uh, How much has your brain been picked uh, since stepping away? Uh, Me me and Thomas talk from time to time. You'll
3: have questions from here and there. Uh, I I don't go to all the practices. In fact, I try not to pop my head in there at all um, because I think Thomas needs to be able to grow On his own, and not constantly look over his shoulder wondering what I'm thinking or what I would do. Um, Our our JV coach uh, has been with us for um, nine, 10, 11 years, Derek Portalotten. He's very experienced. And, um, you know, Thomas has him to lean on a little bit. Um, So I I try not to be standing there, well, why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? Don't do that. uh, Because that wouldn't be healthy for Thomas to to grow as a coach. But if he has questions, uh, I'll. I'll help them out any way I can if there's something that stands out. And it's not even the X's and O's. It's more things along the lines of, uh, of off the court about, um, you know, hey, this is how you have to make sure you get all the uniforms collected. And this is how you're going to have to make sure you, you know, stay on top of this kid about his grades, uh, things that have nothing to do with, you know, the shell drill or how to, you know, make a, a move to the basket. It's, it's all the other little things that contribute that, um, me and Thomas probably talk more about those things.
2: Is that part of it that you don't miss having to worry about grades, having to deal with the parents I don't miss that are it mad? At all. <laughs> right. That's part none, of it. I miss none of it. None of it. Yeah, I can't imagine that would be any fun uh, at all at any point. Uh, you know, the other thing about this, I guess, you know, from the time you got involved uh, into coaching basketball, uh, which was a while ago, to kind of where it is now, have the kids changed that much as far as the kids you're coaching? Are, are they more skilled, more developed by the time they get to you now, uh, by, by the time they get to the high school level? Because there are all these different programs in the area. There are basketball, seemingly facilities everywhere.
3: Uh, kids have always, our kids are always going to change and evolve. And it's, you know, if, if you talk to the guys that coach people my age, you're going to say we were different than what they were when they were players. I mean, that, that's never going to change. So kids, kids have evolved and changed. I think the two biggest things that have changed is number one is their surroundings have changed so much with social media that I sort of God, it's going to be the death of society, how messed up social media is. And what like every kid can have a press conference at any time by sending out a tweet For or sure. a poster, yep. whatever it is. And, and that, that's got, that's changed the dynamic of what these kids have to hear and deal with so much. And the other thing I think that has changed, and probably a lot more in the suburbs than uh, our conference is the parents. The parents have changed so much. I mean, I I, again, I can think too when I was a high school kid playing McGowan and I was mad at my coach coming home after a game and I, you know, go upstairs by my dad and I'm complaining about the coach and he lets me talk for about a minute. He says, Hey, did, you know, did coach have any turnovers tonight? No, you know, no, he didn't have any turnovers. Well, you did. And then, I keep complaining and he shuts me down. Thirty seconds later, say, "Hey, did the coach have, miss any free throws tonight?" No, he says. Well, you did, and then I go downstairs in my bedroom because that didn't go the way I wanted it to go. And now, you look these parents. These parents are complaining to the coaches and school boards and principals and ads before they even before the kid even has a chance to to say or do anything. I just watch some of the things that go on with parents and. The kids, the just kids, the, the people that are my age that I talk to, with some of the things that parents do, we—if that would have been us, we, I would have been so embarrassed that my parent was talking to the coach, much less complaining and arguing and chasing them down and phone calls. It's, it's the parents have changed, I think, more than anything. Where that's that's made it tough on on coaches. It's made it tough on. Administrations. It's uh, the, the, I don't
2: know. I sit at some of these games and the parenting.
3: Like, whew, it's, it's okay. It's so rough. It's
2: bad. Uh, before before we came on here uh, at ten o'clock, uh, there was the show before us, youth sports show uh, for a breakaway wow. basketball. Uh, is the name yep, of the group. Right, okay, so yep. I was listening too. Uh, and I, I'm listening, and I, I'm going to tell you right now, me and Mike McGivern, we we kind of differ on on some things in life, as you probably well know. Um, and <laughs> one of the things that we kind of differ on is the whole specialty aspect of, of sports, right? And I was listening to the guy from Breakaway Sports, and he was talking about, you know, I, I'd rather have, you know, little Johnny or whatever, you know, go play three, four other sports, um, and not worry just solely about one sport, and that's it. And we were having a talk the other day, and I forgot who I was with, uh, about youth baseball and how it's become a year-round sport in this country um, because you have indoor facilities like we have all over the place now here in southeastern Wisconsin, um, and they're playing all the time. And I knew who I was talking to. I was talking to Gary Ellerson off the air about this. And we start talking about Major League Baseball, and you start talking about you know the influence – Uh, of people from around the world that are now in Major League Baseball that are coming from different countries, uh, the Dominican and so forth, um, they're coming over here and playing. And um, part of the reason is that's pretty much the main thing that they play. They play year-round. That's all they play is baseball. And you see that pay off once they get over here. I struggle with the aspect of – if little Johnny loves basketball and wants to play, now I'm not saying the parent forces little Johnny to play, but I'm saying if little Johnny wants to play basketball, uh, you know, all year round. I just don't see how that hurts him um, in the long run from letting him play year round. If that's what he wants to do uh, versus telling him, no, I want you to go try and play football. No, I want you to go try and play volleyball or whatever the sport may be.
3: I, I think you got to find a balance. I, I don't, again, why has this changed so much with all this specialty? it's not because some 11 or 12 year old is sitting around thinking that I just want to play basketball. Right. I don't want to play other sports. It's usually the parent it's, I mean, I, I, you know, I have kids and there's a specialty and, and the hook that gets put in these parents' mouths with, you know, I'm going to get a scholarship and my kid's going to get exposure. They should remove that word from the dictionary. It's the, I mean, it just, it's the parents that have taken the route of specialty that I need training. I, I, <laughs> What what 10, 11, 12 year old needs training again? I I use the example again show shows my age at Rob Lagerman. You remember Rob? Oh yeah, yeah, basketball player. Yeah. right. Yep, absolutely. Rob Lagerman didn't have a trainer. He didn't go to all these you know clinics. Like, Rob Lagerman sat in the gym by himself, got his own rebound, and kept shooting. Yep. I, I, and he became a really good shooter. You know, one of the best scorers in the state of Wisconsin history. That like, he didn't have some specialty training. And and again for again if there's a younger kid who Really, only wants to play one sport. That's fine, as long as it's that eleven or twelve year old thinking and making that decision. Right. And then, if they do only really want to do that sport, not having some wacko parents saying, "We're, you know, we're paying money for you to go train here, and you got to do it every night of the week." And at some point, you got to let them be kids. And and there's some things that you're really good at basketball, but then, man, when, you know, when I when I'm on the, the tennis team, I'm not very good there's still some benefit in that for the kid too, learning what it's like not to be the best player. Cause they're not always going to be the best player learning to deal with more failure that, uh, you know, I, I'm not very good at this, but how am I going to, you know, figure out a way to keep trying to, to put effort into it? How can I be a good teammate? How can I be more coachable? And, and again, um, when they get to the, again, just my philosophy, I could be dead wrong that by the time they get to high school, if they want to pick one sport to kind of concentrate on, Fourteen, fifteen, 15, kind of get it. Sure. Part of it might be what school they go to. You know, if you go to a bigger school, you might not be able to make, be good enough to make multiple teams of multiple sports. If you go to a smaller school, you know, last night I was at the Mayville-Lemira game watching and sitting there and, you know, this kid plays this sport, this sport, and this sport, and this sport, and this sport, and this sport. and, this sport, and... But maybe if they go to, you know, Arrowhead or McGowan go, they wouldn't be able to make some of those teams. So, you know, there's different factors that go into it, but I think that one of the biggest problems with the, of the specialty route is when it's parent driven and it's some parent making a decision. So when they're sitting at some family barbecue, they can break all their friends. For and, oh, sure. This can, we're going to Louisville next week and we're yes. flying to Orlando. Hey, great, great job. You you know, I mean, take all that money that you spend on your kid flying over to place, put it into a fund. And you probably have the first two years of college paid for going to UW Claire where they're gonna end up anyways.
2: So let's talk about this. This is good. Tywa Ty Mosler, former head basketball coach Milwaukee South Division, athletic director retired from basketball. So let's go let's rewind before that because I think I set you up for what you were talking about prior. These, as you call them, wacko parents uh, that are yelling and screaming and carrying on at coaches, athletic directors, and everything else about, uh, you know, little Johnny not playing or whatever the case may be. How much of that do you think is driven because there are so many different. Uh, of these organizations out there that if you don't make this team, you can, you know, go make another team or go make some other team. If you get cut two or three times, but eventually you'll find a place where you'll get to play. And then, because you're playing well there, assume that you're going to play well at your next stop. Once you get to high school. And then when you're not good enough, that's when the parents lose their mind.
3: Now parents lose their mind at about a lot of different things, but yeah, I mean, that's part of it. I mean, I have daughters who are into volleyball, and I have a wife who coached high school volleyball and coaches club volleyball now, and tryout weekend for club volleyball is insane. Like, chasing to go do this tryout and this tryout, and who's going there, and who's, and these people fall for it. They just pick a team, and and like you said, they can jump from team to team that, again, a lot of these parents and kids to some extent, that if they don't hear what they want to hear from this team, well, I'll just go over to this team or I'll go over to this team. I mean, kids can jump from AAU team or club team in the middle of a season if they want and there's there's nothing that anyone can do about it. And it's trickled into high school. I can transfer here to this school or that school. And if they don't hear what they want to hear, um, they – they they move to wherever they think they're going to be able to hear what they want to hear. Yep, that's you know, exactly. The it. Least
2: resistance. Right. Yep. Absolutely. Time Mosler. Hey, can you stick around for one more segment, or are you gonna go watch uh, watch the daughter play basketball?
3: No, no I, I can stick around for one more. All <laughs> I, right, I Ben. Do uh,
2: I, I don't want to screw this up and take away from you watching your daughter play basketball. So, all right. No, 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 right. No, 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 I'm fine.
3: All
2: right, hold on one second. There he is, Ty Mosler, uh, former head basketball coach at Milwaukee South Division, athletic director there. Now we'll talk about some City League basketball and how things apparently have changed. I haven't been following a ton of high school basketball, but I have questions. Uh, he's on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline, of applying for a home renovation loan. As you're feeling anxious, breathe and let like Great Midwest Bank help you experience a state of banquility. Get started at greatmidwestbank.com today. Welcome back, Marcy Blitz Basketball Coach's Show. Presented to you by your local Picket Safe stores. A lot of great sponsors on this show, including Ideal Logos, UW Credit Union, Current Electric. Thanks for being a part of this show. For. Uh, this season with uh, Mike Big Time McGivern, our WSSP High School insider, not here today. We'll be back next week joining us uh, for one more segment in the great Midwest Bank uh, hotline. The athletic director over at Milwaukee South Division and retired head basketball coach Ty Mosler. Uh, all right, coach, let's continue on. Let's talk a little bit uh, about uh, the city conference uh, to this point. And I guess my first question is, again, and I, I will... Just flat out tell you, and I'm not going to sit here and, and try and play games and act like I know what I'm talking about because I don't. But when I go to withsports.net, we have Mark Miller uh, coming up uh, in the next segment. Normally, when I go and I look at Division One rankings, I see city teams. Um, I don't see a city team in the top 10 for Division I. Uh, what has happened to the city conference that I don't got a city team in the top 10 of Division One?
3: Well, like most things in life, uh, it's not just one reason that you can just pinpoint and fix. It's it's a uh, it's it's a multitude of different reasons. Uh, number one is there's just not as many Division One schools in our conference anymore. With enrollment, enrollments have gone down quite a bit in MPS, so schools don't have a thousand or twelve hundred kids anymore like we did ten years ago, twenty, thirty years ago. Number two. Um, the talent level is thinned out quite a
0: bit there.
3: There is not, um, you know, I mean, man, I think back to when I started, every team had scholarship type kids that were good right. enough to play scholarship basketball at some level, not, you know, not just uh Kevon, Looney's loonies and Jordan pools of like big time division one, but some level. And, uh, that's been thinned out quite a bit with voucher, charter, open enrollments, a lot of different reasons. Um, but the talent level going down and, uh, Number three, last year not having a season really, really hurt us. That um uh that was that's gonna be tough for our kids to recover from having a whole year off and it's not that they weren't playing basketball. They could have been in gyms. It's just not the the same though as getting coaching, uh playing real games that uh matter with um uh you know, officiating with, with rules and well, I played AAU. <laughs> We all know you go watch some of these AAU games and it's complete crap,
0: right? And you know
3: referees don't even run up and down the floor. It's one on five basketball. Well, you get to the regular season, you know, um, the game changes, and our kids didn't have that for a year, so it's gonna it's gonna take some time to recover uh, from that um, and having that year off. And I again, just a, a personal example for us here at South Division, we have a sophomore guard who tries really hard, and he's a good kid, and um, he, he's he's playing varsity. And he shouldn't be. He he should be on JV learning at his own pace and playing against kids that are more comparable to him. But because our numbers are lower, he's one of the 10 best players in the school, and now he's playing varsity, and he's never even had a freshman season. He didn't even have wow. a JV season wow. because he, you know, no basketball his entire ninth grade yeah. year. And now, as a tenth grader, he's trying to play varsity basketball, and he has no, you know, he's had no prior experience of what high school season is like—the daily grind of going to practice, of um, getting coaching every single day. So, um, you know, and, and that's going to take some time to catch up. So, again, I, I think there's, again, there's, there's quite a few different reasons that have fed into why the, the city is struggling this year. It's not just one thing. If it's just one thing, you know, try to go fix that one thing, but it's it's quite a few different things that I, again, that this is what I think. I mean, you know, so I have a different opinion, but
2: so how, I mean, when we start talking about these kids not playing in NPS um, and going to other schools, I mean, are we talking about that they're living within inside the MPS you know, boundaries, but they're going to play out in the suburbs essentially, and are getting bused out there to play or what's happening?
3: Yeah, that's part of it. I mean, that that's going on. There's kids that live in the city, but go to non Milwaukee schools. Um, you know or, you know more people are are moving you know um, I remember again and this is this since this did not just all of a sudden start happening. I remember uh, I don't know six, seven years ago we played Brookfield Central in the regional final, and at the end of the game, one of our players and one of their players went home together because they both lived off of 70th and Congress, but one <laughs> oh my you know took a a school bus to go out to Brookfield Central, and one you know went to South division and they were both city of Milwaukee kids, but, you know, going in completely two different directions. Um, So, you know, it's kind of been going on, but again, you know, the the world changes and evolves and people move and um, you you have a lot of different players at at different schools that are city of Milwaukee that never had as many city of Milwaukee kids before um, private schools or public schools.
2: So talking with Ty Mosler, uh, athletic director of Milwaukee South division retired a head basketball coach. So if that's happening there, then what's happening on the football side? Because for so long, basketball has always been more competitive and ahead of football in, in the city conference. How has that affected football then? Has it at all?
3: Oh yeah, it has. Um, You know, you hear the saying all the time and you hear it because it's true that football is a numbers game and the more bodies that you can have, the better off you're going to be because the number of bodies you need to get through a football season So, you know, you don't have to be a a great mathematician that if you have 60 bodies to get through a football season, it's going to be a lot easier for terms of health and safety. And, you know, the more kids you have, the better chance that a few of them might be athletic enough to be a very good football player compared to a team that struts out 20 kids every week, where a few get dinged up and there's this concussion or, you know, you're starting to struggle with numbers and you don't have as many athletic bodies. Uh, to be able to to compete, so uh, you know football that that that's a numbers game, um, you know, and and two with football, it's always going to be you know, it, it's a it's a sport that you have to be able to learn a certain base of fundamentals like just how to protect yourself in the game of football. That if you're getting a ninth grader who's never played youth football, they don't even know how to protect themselves or know where to look to see where they might be just getting trucked by someone you know, some guard pulling and they're going to, you know, knock your block off that they don't even know to look to be able to protect themselves. So that, that, that contributes it to a lot of our kids. I know, again, just speaking personally for South Division, when we're, you know, doing sign up, you know, we're getting kids that don't have any playing experience and our coaches are teaching them the game for the first time. And now they're also trying to play against bigger, stronger kids that they're not playing against kids that their own age, own weight, own size.
2: So Ty, I mean, out in the suburbs, you've got these, these schools, especially these, these suburbs where there's one high school in a town and you've got these feeder programs and the coaches are kind of having say of how the, the the feeder programs are running and they're running their stuff, whether it be basketball or football, that really is something that you all don't have as much of, right?
3: No, barely any, very, very little of it. And even if there's a feeder program that goes, that is in, Milwaukee and you know, again, the, the the Bayview Redcats were starting, right. I mean, years and years and years ago, Yep. a kid goes through that program, there's no guarantee that that kid's going to Bayview High School. Those kids could get, you know, moved and go to whatever school where, you know, in most cases, the Franklin Youth Program, the Muskego Youth Program, those kids, when they're going through that youth program, they're going to end up at Franklin High School, Muskego High School. So they're being taught their way. They're learning their terminology. They understand, you know, that program's expectations. So, yeah, and again, if you you look at the basketball side of things, I think the development and the growth of feeder programs in the suburbs is one of the main contributors as to how the suburb schools, at least more of the suburb schools, have been able to catch up and pass some of the city schools over the years. Um, and again, you know, this this started 20, 25 years ago. This isn't something right. that just started right now. That, When, you know, the Kimberleys and Ninas, you know, all over the state have their kids just playing more and more, you know, um, learning, uh, more organized, it's going to allow them to make up for some things that they might not have athletically or some things that they were, you know, born with their, you know, natural gifts.
2: You know, talking with Ty Mosler, athletic director at uh, Milwaukee South Division, of course, a retired head basketball coach. Do you think from a basketball side this is just a blip for a year or two um, once we get further away from this COVID thing and having that missed season that you guys rebound and get back to where you were?
3: I hope so. I, I think um, I think some programs will. Uh, you know, I think there will always be the haves and have-nots, and this might have divided it a little bit more within our own conference, but um, you know, the the teams that um generally been pretty good, you know, King, Riverside, um Washington, Vincent, Hamilton, I I think that they they recover um at some point. Uh whether or not they ever recover to the same level that they were at in the heydays of the eighties and nineties and two thousands, maybe, maybe not to be determined. But uh I think some of the schools will eventually catch up and, and get back to being,
2: you know, good programs. Uh, I know this is a basketball show, but I'm going to ask you a football question since you're an athletic director. Yeah. Okay, um, I, I've sure. been saying this on the radio for probably five years, if not longer than that. Um, and I want to get an AD's perspective on this. If uh, it came to the point where uh, the WIA said, "Look, hey, you guys are you guys aren't on the same level necessarily as everybody else uh, at the Division One level," would you be open to going to Division Two or Division Three in football? what do you think that would have support within the city for football?
3: Um, I, 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 yeah, probably I would think so. Um, I know some things like that have been brought up with the uh, WFCA. Um, I, I remember hearing Wade LeBecky talk about it a few times with, um, and again, I'm not a hundred percent certain because, you know, of, of the football side of things, right. but that there was a formula about, uh, some schools again, starting with, you know, the MPS schools, um, and, depending on how the enrollment works, being able to go to a different level than what their actual enrollment number is. If that got any, you know, again, Wade Lebecky retired, so I don't know how much talk or, you know, um, movement they were able to make on that. But um, uh, I, I know that that was thrown around possibly as an idea. Uh, does that get talked about more in the future? I don't know. Maybe, I see. maybe not. Don't I mean, know.
2: for me, sure. For me, Ty, it's simple. Like, forget the enrollment, forget how many kids are in these schools. Like, I don't even care. For me, it's about the competitive aspect. And I think if city football was more competitive and won more games against some of these other schools, I think that would draw more kids in to want to play and give it an opportunity. And then you could put a rule in that says, okay, look, if you win, you know, if you win division two, two or three years in a row and you're champions, then we're gonna have to move you up to division one. And then rightfully so, fine. I'm I'm good with that. But let these kids have some success. And build on those successes going forward. I don't know. It's always been a thing that's no, bothered I totally me. Yeah. Nope, I totally agree with you. Yeah, I totally agree with you.
3: I also, again, just my personal thought on it was, is I agree with what you said earlier. Like, who cares how many kids go to your school? So, for example, for us, if we have 800 kids in our building, but 780 of them don't want to play football, right? Who, who? It doesn't mean anything that what division you're on could go off of an average of how many kids you've had out for your sport. Correct and make that more comparable that yes. if you average 25 kids out over a 3 4 or 5 year window then you're put into a division that of similar teams that have the same type of numbers that are going off for football not we have 25 kids out and we're looking across the sideline and they have 90 yes but, you know, that's not good for either side. That's not yep. good for either
2: team. Totally agree with you. He is Ty Mosler, former head basketball coach at Milwaukee South Division, now retired but still the AD. I will let you get back to watching your daughter's basketball game. I am sorry I took you away for this long. No, <laughs> they're getting smoked, so I'm not overly worried about it. No <laughs> All right, Coach. Big up, man. Take care. Yep. Take care. Thank you. There he is, I'm Mosler on the Great Midwest Bank hotline. If apply for home renovation loan, as you're feeling anxious, breathe like Great Midwest Bank. I'll be experience a state of tranquility. Get started at greatmidwestbank.com today. Up next, one of my favorites, Mark Miller with Sports.net joins us here on the Varsity Blitz High School Basketball Coaches Show presented by your local Pick and Save stores. Here on a fan,
1: we get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one.
2: Marcy Blitz Basketball and Show. Steve Sparky, Pfeiffer in for Big Time. Mike McGiven, our WSSP High School Basketball Insider. It's presented to you by your local Pick and Save stores. Right here on 1250 AM, The Fan. By the way, folks, if you go to Pick and Save and you don't have one of the free, let me say this again free little reward cards that they give you, right? You go, you, you scan it, you get discounts off of different stuff at the store. But that's not even the cool part. The cool part is you get money off your gas. So if you're going to pick and save once, twice a week, by the end of the month, that adds up. Get 20 cents off a of gas, 30 cents off a of gas. Who knows? Depending on how much money you're spending there. Man, get one of those, put it on your keychain. Use it all the time. Saves you money at the store. Saves you money at the pump. It's a no-brainer. Uh joining us now on the great Midwest Bank Hotline. I'm sure he's got one of those little things on his key ring, is Mark Miller with sports.net. Uh Mark, how you doing, buddy? You got one of those little pig and safe. Key tags on your uh, key ring? Uh,
0: I, unfortunately, I do not. But uh, all right, we uh, got go, to let you go, Mark. We got to let you go. We got to move right. on to
3: somebody
2: else.
0: <laughs> Come on! Uh,
2: no, we have uh, Metro Markets here in, in Sun Prairie where I live. So, Same thing. Uh, Same thing. Don't they have them? Aren't oh, they owned by Kroger too? Metro Market? I think they are actually. Yeah,
0: and they uh, they do have them. Yeah. Uh, you, so I, I guess I. I guess I'm. I was mistaken.
2: Yeah, um, go get you one. Put but, down your key ring. Save some. Save some money on gas. Italians. There you go. <laughs> you you got to do it. Uh, Mark, it's been a long time since you and I have talked. Um, and I, I just had Ty Mosler on for the first half hour. The uh, retired head coach at Milwaukee South Division, yeah. of course, uh, athletic director there now, and that was a lot of fun. Um, and in the last segment, we talked about the City Conference, and I pulled up because I'm not. I mean, I don't follow high school sports nearly as much as I used to. And I, I pulled up to look at, of course with sports.net top tens for each division, saw no city schools in the top 10 uh, and was shocked and amazed by that fact and and brought it up to him. And he said that uh, a part of what really kind of hurt them a little bit is not having uh, games because of COVID for that one whole year. Uh, And then obviously losing kids to the suburbs as well. Uh, What's your take kind of on what the city conference has looked like this year so far in basketball?
0: Yeah, I, I would definitely agree with Ty on both those, uh, Um, you know, comments. Uh, So, you know, they're, they're, they're a year behind and they're playing catch up. Um, And, you know, it's always hard to do that. Uh, It takes a while for that to take place. It's like a coach coming into a college program and, and needing some time to establish his style and, and, you know, get his players and all that kind of stuff. So, um having said that though there, it's not like there's not good teams in the conference. it's just that I think the depth and and, and just getting each of the of the programs kind of on a competitive level again uh is going to take some time so um hopefully that it'll come sooner than later um but you know as we stand now uh, I'm just looking at the standings myself and uh tech and North and Washington are unbeaten in conference play but but between those three teams, they have thirteen. Non-league losses, so you can see that right now, uh, you know they're behind the, the, the um, Greater Metro and the North Shore and the Southeast and the Metro Classic and some of those conferences. So in the Milwaukee area, so uh, it's going to take a little bit for them to to, to catch up.
2: We we look at uh, the the rankings and just staying here in southeastern Wisconsin, uh, Arrowhead comes in at ten with four losses, still uh, made it into that top ten. As has Waukesha South, they're eleven and four. Arrowhead uh, nine and four, uh, how did they get themselves up into that top 10 after being unranked?
0: Well, you know, they're the, they're the top two teams in the classic eight conference at this point. So, um, you know, if you look at their losses, they've come to really good teams, obviously, um, they each have star players. Um, they have pretty decent depth and size. So, um, I think both those teams, uh, are, you know, are among the top 10, but, uh, you know, clearly I think, uh, they're, they're not, you know, on the top five. Um, And and part of that is because their consistency, you know, they've lost some games that that kind of maybe scratch your head a little bit, but, you know, that's high school basketball. That's dealing with, uh, with high school players and having a 24 game season, you're going to have some ups and downs. So, um, you know, a teams that I, that I've seen this year that I've been most impressed with uh, probably would be uh, De Pere, Menominee Falls, Eau Claire Memorial, uh, Brookfield Central, and then up in the Fox Valley area, both Nina and Appleton East are having really good years. Um, and and y- even though Kimberly has a, a few losses right now, they played an unbelievable schedule. Um, I think that's a team to keep an eye on, too, because they're starting to put some wins together.
2: All right, let, let's talk a little bit, if you don't mind, uh, about the best basketball players uh, in the state of Wisconsin right now and talking about, you know, Mr. Basketball and who the contenders are. Uh, for uh, 2022. And if, if you don't have this, you can go to uh and you can check it out there. Right now, who's your number one? Yeah,
0: I just want to go back to that previous comment, Sparky. I, I, I didn't mean to exclude any of the, the teams from the other divisions because obviously Milwaukee and Wisconsin Lutheran and Whitnell are, are teams that, you know, would be among the best <laughs> as well. Um, as far as Mr. Basketball, I actually uh, wrote an article about that on Wisports this week. Right. You know, I usually try to grab, you know, uh, about, you know, a little over halfway through the season to, to let the players uh, kind of, you know, sort themselves out a little bit and show, you know, what what they're doing in terms of this season. And, and you know, I, I wrote about five guys that are kind of the favorites right now, um, and then a few other guys that, you know, maybe with a late push could also get into the mix. But um, at this point, uh, I think the favorites to win it uh, would be um, Andrew Rohde and Seth Tremble. Uh, both from the Milwaukee area with Rhodey at Brook Central and Seth at Menominee Falls. Uh, Danilo Jovanovic at Whitnow, certainly in the in the mix. Um, Jackson Pablitski of Kimberly. And then I think Luke Hurdle from Lake Country Lutheran is another guy that, you know, is going to be in the mix. So those five guys, um, you know, are, are really close right now. I, I can't remember a, a race for Mr. Basketball in recent years anyway, uh, that has been this close between multiple players. Sometimes it's between one or two guys. But here we have, you know, three, four, five guys that are really making a strong push and, and in, in any other year possibly could win the award. But of course, you only can pick one. And, uh, you know, I, I think Seth's performance last night, um, you know, with 37 and a win over Brook Central and then his showing last Saturday, uh, I, I watched him score 35 and, and a win over a uh, Tatino Grace team out of the Twin Cities. At, has three Division One kids. One going to Iowa State, another of the top ranked junior in the uh, in the state of Minnesota. So he's really been playing exceptionally well. Uh, of course, he's going to North Carolina. Uh, Andrew Rohde has had a great season, and and so has Danilo. Uh, you know, Whitnall's had a really really good year, um, and and he's just been really consistent. And at six six eight, you know, he can hurt you in a lot of different ways with his ability to score, rebound, defend um so it, it's a tight race we'll, we'll have to see you know how it comes down you know the, the voting for that actually happens after regional week so you know they got a good month or so here to to kind of push their teams and their individual showings uh forward uh, and uh i'm sure all of those guys will do just that so it's going to be a tough call
2: Talking with Mark Miller with sports.net. If you've uh, never checked it out, uh, where have you been under a rock? Uh, That is the place to go. Follow Mark Miller on Twitter at WISBB yearbook at WISBB yearbook. Uh, Okay. So from a talent perspective, you talked about those top five guys. Where do they rank as far as talent that we've seen in the past years? You know, you mentioned the one kid is going to North Carolina. The one thing that basketball has done in this state over the course of time, uh, back when I followed it a lot more with the Kavon Looney's and those and Gabby Ortiz's that one year, um, is they've put uh, a lot of talent in the Division One basketball that has seen some some success as well. Is a talent level still at that same level? Um,
0: yeah, I think it is. You know, I mean, we, we have kind of ebbs and flows just like most states our size do. You know, where we have a terrific year and then maybe not such a great year. Um, I think this current senior class is really good. You know, of those five guys that, that we just mentioned, um, all of them are going to high major schools. Uh, Luke is a preferred walk-on at Wisconsin, but Danilo going to Miami of Florida and Jackson. Well, Jackson's going to Wofford, which I guess technically would be considered a, a mid-major, but that that program, as you know, has won some NCAA tournament games. Yeah. Um, and Andrew Rohde is going to an upstart at St. Thomas, which, uh, um, you know, is just starting out in Division One, and uh, I really, I really like the potential of that program down the road. And of course, Seth's going to North Carolina. So, uh, and then Leon Bond, who who uh, missed some games at Wabatosa East with a concussion. Um, but is back playing now and had a good game last night. He He's another one that I think could, could work himself into that discussion. He's going to Virginia. So, you know, we do have some guys uh, that are are going on to play at that level. Uh, the current junior class, uh, probably not as many guys that are going to go on and play, you know, in the big 10, big East ACC type level. Um, but the sophomore and freshman classes are, are going to be right back up with multiple guys uh, competing at that level. So, I, I would say it's a, it's a pretty typical time right now for high school basketball in Wisconsin. You know, a few years back, we had uh, um, uh, just a plethora of, of big guys that were high major kids. We don't have that right now, you know, with the Diamond Stones and Henry Allenson and Matt Heltz. Uh, yep. um, but uh, we do have really good players uh, that are really fun to watch. And, um, you know, I, I would say that any of those five guys that we talked about as the favorites are, are worth going to watch. Uh, just to appreciate not only their ability to score, but just their ability to be good team leaders and, and to just make good basketball plays. Um, and you know, Seth is probably the mo- most dynamic in terms of his athleticism and just in terms of, of the big time plays that he can make. But really, all of them uh, make winning plays and have have, have uh, you know really helped their teams achieve a lot of success thus far this season.
2: Margaret, take a quick timeout. Come back. You good for one more segment, buddy? Sure, sure. All right, one more. I want to come back. I want On the other side, I want to talk a little bit about college recruiting and this transfer portal and how it plays into high school players getting scholarships now going forward. So we'll talk about that. Plus we'll talk about Mark's uh, book that he has out, Hawk Hoopla. That's all straight ahead here uh, on the Varsity Blitz Basketball Coaches Show presented to you by your local pick and save stores here on The Fan. It's basketball coach a shell presented to you by your local pick and save stores here on 12 50 AM. The fan, of course, thanks to our other great sponsors, ideal logos, current electric, uh, and our current electric superhero of the week comes up uh, to lead off the next hour of the show. Of course, UW credit union team of the week. Uh, comes up uh, in about uh, 40 minutes from right now, joining us for one more segment. He's our guy, Mark Miller, with Sports.net on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. Uh, Okay, Mark, I want to get into a a little bit uh, of the uh, college recruiting aspect of things. First things first, um, obviously Greg Gard has been at Wisconsin forever, so we know he has roots and ties in the community. How has Shaka Smart done in his first year and his coaching staff trying to build roots here in the state of Wisconsin?
0: Well, I think they've done an outstanding job. Uh, you know they've they reached out to high school coaches throughout Wisconsin with with different events that they've had. Uh, they had a summer tournament where um, where teams were involved. Uh, he's attended several clinics. They've had clinics at Marquette. He was at the Wisconsin Basketball Coaches Association clinic uh, down uh, at the Dells last fall. Um, you know they've had high school coaches come and observe practices. Uh, they've they've recruited kids in the state. Um, so they've done a, a really, really good job of, of reaching out and trying to make connections. Um, a couple, uh, one, of the, one of their assistant coaches, Neil Berry, um, had been at Iowa State and was lead recruiter for Tyrese Halliburton, um, and then he went to Texas and was lead recruiter for David Joplin. So he he had a few uh, ties within Wisconsin prior to coming to Marquette, um, and then of course Shaka being a, a state native from Oregon, Wisconsin. Um, obviously he had some ties as well. So, um, uh, but, but you know, to directly answer your question, I, I think they've, they've done just about everything they possibly could to, to reach out to, uh, you know, invite college, uh, high school coaches, I should say to be a, a, a part of the program to, to, you know, help them with resources or, uh, coaching, uh, tips through the clinics and so forth. So, um, I think both programs, uh, have excellent rapport with the high school coaches, Uh, in Wisconsin.
2: Here's my concern, Mark. It's my concern for football. It's my concern for basketball uh, at this point. And I don't know if it reaches beyond to that in other sports. I guess it very well could. This whole transfer portal thing um, where you can pick up and move uh, and not have to sit out a year once. To me, I think it's going to rob scholarship opportunities of high school kids going forward because I think college coaches are going to look at this and go, I'd rather have a kid." Uh, that's already been in college for a year. I know he can handle the academics part of it because I can see what his grades look like. I know that he's been coached up in college already for one year. He's been in the weight room for at least one or two years uh, at a college. I know what I'm dealing with more so uh, than a potential high school kid coming in. That's never been through any of this before. I think it's going to potentially rob scholarships from high school kids across the country.
0: Well, it's hard to argue with what you just said. Um, I, I, I think that there is some truth to that. Now, certainly for, for the very top level high school kids, they're still going to have their options, um, and, you know, get recruited and so forth. And, you know, we have, uh, I think it's 355 division one programs in the country. So there's going to be some that prefer to do it, uh, you know, the the traditional way by, you know, recruiting high school kids and building your program that way and hopefully maintaining them for, for four years. But I I, I agree, you know, let's, let's take a look at Marquette in Wisconsin right now. Uh, if you look at their rosters, uh, after the season ends, uh, both both right now do have some openings on their, you know, on their scholarship, 13 scholarship limit. So, um, you know, maybe in the past they would have been all set at this point, but it, it would almost be foolish for you to not leave one or two open for the spring to see who's in the transfer portal. Um, you know, you look at both teams and they both benefited uh, particularly Marquette from, from transfers from the portal of uh, this year. I think, I think I, when I watched the game the other night I counted four four transfers because yep. you got uh uh Omax from Clemson and and uh uh Kirk uh from Oklahoma and obviously uh Darryl Morseell from Maryland and and then Tyler Kolick from uh uh George Mason so four of their five starters came from the portal and then of course the starter Justin Lewis was a was a high school recruit for Steve Wojciechowski and then you know stayed on um and now Wisconsin's maybe not quite to that degree, but but they certainly have some transfers that are uh, you know contributing to their team this year. So uh, it's a little mix uh, mixture depending on the program, but uh, I, I do think you know like if you look at our state, Sparky, if you, if, if we have ten to fifteen Division One basketball players on the boys' side every year, you know maybe that goes down to eight to twelve, you know, and uh, because of up uh, because of the reason that you just said so. Um, you Mark, know Mark, uh, uh, let me just
2: interrupt you for a second if we go back and look at comments made by Paul Chris because obviously that that whole thing was a fiasco this last season where his recruiting coordinator gets up and goes to Michigan State and, and, and all of that and at the end of the year he made a comment of as far as how they were going to rebuild that side of things for football and how they were going to have People designated just for the transfer portal, and that was going to kind of be their gig. Now, obviously, sure. football has more people uh, uh, attached to it because of money and so forth. But I, I just wonder if basketball essentially is going to become the same way as well, where each you know top power five, division one program, whatever you want to call them, is essentially going to have you know one, you're going to have your group that's going to do high school recruiting, your assistant coach and so forth. But maybe you have one or two people that are just kind of attached to that transfer portal.
0: I think that's, uh, probably happening already. Um, and you know what it really hurts, uh, is programs like Milwaukee and green Bay, for because sure. uh, you know, once you establish yourself like PJ pipes, for example, uh, from green Bay last year had a really good year. And, uh, you know, now he's playing out at Santa Clara in the same league with Gonzaga and he's doing well, or, uh, to John Lucas, who is at BYU, you know, after a couple of years at Milwaukee. So, um, that's that's where it's it's tough. You know, you develop a guy and you think he got a guy for four years and all of a sudden, you know, he leaves your school for uh you know, for a higher level program. Um and that, you know, that really makes it tough for the mid majors, no question. Um we'll we'll have to see how it plays out, but you know, based on the on the one year that we've had with with the portal and how many names are in there and how many colleges you're you're looking up. Okay, where did this guy come from? Right. You know, because you don't remember seeing him playing last year. Um, you know, if, if it continues to be this, and you know, college coaches call it the wild, wild west, and it it kind of is that way. You know, and the other thing that we haven't even talked about is, you know, what about what about those programs? And they're, I'm sure they're out there that are whispering to kids, "Hey, if you're unhappy with your role, we'll take you at our no place." No doubt. If you want to go in the transfer part? No, yeah. So no doubt. Uh, it's it, it's it's. Uh, you know, it gives it gives college kids a lot more freedom. Obviously, um, I guess that's the plus side. But the downside is it's it can lead to a lot of questionable tactics and 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 like you said to begin this discussion, just you know maybe more limited options for high school kids.
2: Uh, we're going to talk to our current electric superhero of the week, Lily McDonald, New Berlin Eisenhower. Uh, coming up uh, after we talk to Mark Miller, I have two left for you. Uh, The second one is going to—I want you to promote your book that you've got out there, Hawk Hoopla. But before I get to that, uh, one more Uh, Baldwin Jr. uh, at Milwaukee. When he made the decision to go to Milwaukee and play for his dad for the Panthers over some of the top programs in the country, I thought it was huge because if he was able to show out and still be that lottery pick and still be that top pick, I thought that maybe this would give hope to some of these mid-majors of being able to point to that and go, look, you don't have to go to Duke in order to still be a lottery pick. You can play for me and still be a lottery pick, and we can even put you on more display being, you know, that star player in our program. And because of injuries and other uh, and other things that have come along the way, we just haven't gotten that out of Baldwin Jr. this year at Milwaukee.
0: No, no, you just haven't. Uh, and it's unfortunate, but, you know, um, I just looked at the mock drafts the other day and he's still, you know, a lottery pick. So um, despite the fact that, you know, he's battled injuries like you mentioned all year and what, uh, when he has played, it has, it hasn't been, uh, you know, overly productive. Um, and, you know, that's a concern, but when you see Patrick play, and when he's healthy, You know his his ability just shines through almost immediately. So, um, you know I I, the injuries are kind of a a concern though, Sparky, because you know he missed all of last year as well. Correct. I think he played I think he played one high school game and then he got hurt uh, and missed the rest of the season. Um, So you know with a young kid like that, you just you want him to get healed up, obviously. And he's got tremendous talent. He's a great great young man, uh, just in terms of his on-court and off-court demeanor and uh, just how he handles himself. Uh, So, you know, he's got all those pluses going for him, but you know, uh, in the NBA, the NFL, you know, Major League Baseball, those are businesses, so if there's an injury concern, um, you know, sometimes that that really can be a red flag, and let's hope hope that won't be the case with Patrick and, and, you know, maybe he can get healthy here and, and make a late run with Milwaukee, but, you know, to date right now, it hasn't, hasn't worked out quite the way they, they had hoped, but, you know, at the same time, had he gone to Duke, you know, would it, would it be any different? I don't know. I mean, with the injuries and so forth, um, you know, it's hard, it's hard to really project how he would have done there. If he, if he was injured, he probably would have similar stats to what he has now at Milwaukee.
2: Tell me about your book, Hawk Hoopla, uh, what that's all about and where people can get it.
0: Yeah, so when the pandemic started last year, I had a lot of time because we had no spring AAU, we had no state tournament in 2020, and uh, I'm a Xavier High graduate in Appleton, and I started to look up some of the history of the school there in terms of its basketball program just to kill a little time, and, and then I kind of got more into it, more into it, and I started to research and write down all the records, and uh, I thought, you know what, I could put a book together on this. It would be kind of cool to have all the stats in one place and then also talk to former players, uh, you know, that that played at Xavier, you know, going back to the early 60s when Kip Wintlinger played there and later played at Ohio State. And, um, you know, he, he played uh, Milwaukee Marquette in the 1963 title game at the Milwaukee Arena for the Catholic schools at the time. And over 7,000 people were there for that game. Uh, just, the, just the whole... Uh, uh, just the whole, uh, you know, basically the the transition from high school basketball to in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, through today, how it's changed um, with the rules, you know, the three point line, the longer games with the halves instead of the quarters, the the fan following, uh, the great players that they've had at that school. Um, so last night I went to Xavier and actually signed the books and went and watched a game. It was a terrific game and kind of brought back a lot of memories of you know when I was there. So it was just kind of a labor of love. Uh, it's not a um, you know, I know it's got somewhat limited appeal because it's not a statewide thing like I'm usually doing with a basketball yearbook or writing for WIS sports. But um, it, it did, did kind of bring me back to my roots. And, and uh, um, you know, it's been well received by the Xavier community. And um, uh, if people are interested in reading about uh, reading about it, yeah, you can um, purchase a copy online at WBBY.com.
2: There he is, Mark Miller with Sports.net. Make sure to check him out. Follow him on Twitter uh, as well with BB Yearbook. Mark, thanks so much for coming on, man. I appreciate it.
0: Okay, Sparky. Thanks for having me. You Take betcha. Care.
2: Take care. There he is, Mark Miller, the Great Midwest Bank. Hotline applying for home renovation loan as you're feeling anxious. Breathe. The Great Midwest Bank help you experience a state of tranquility. Get started at greatmidwestbank.com today. Current Electric, Superhero of the Week, Lily McDonald, New Berlin Eisenhower. She's up next here on the Varsity Blitz basketball coach show presented to you by your local pick and save stores here on the
1: fan. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof?